Hey everyone, and welcome to the Pisgah Podcast. We are your hosts, Drew and Mangler. We're coming to you live from the missing meth campers at the top of Heartbreak. Always such a relief to get here after climbing Old Toll. Probably one of my favorite snack spots that doesn't have a view. <laughs> and knowing you have like four miles of downhill ahead of you, it's quite the spot. But, you know, the campers are kind of a sign of relief. When you saw them, you knew it was about to get fun. But, you know, I'm kind of bummed they aren't here anymore. It was one of those Pisgah landmarks. It took work to get here, even if you cheated like we did and shuttled it, and to have all that wonderment and excitement. And, yeah, you had many fun miles of downhill ahead of you, but what was in those campers? So, anyway, this week, did you get much riding in? Not a whole lot, but I did get a cold squirrel gap jaunt in before work the other day. I, I'm still recovering from this whelp I have on my hip from slamming on a night ride a few weeks back. Uh, what about you? Hey man, that's some Dawn Patrol dedication right there. Squirrel is a good frozen trail to ride though. Uh, Jessica and I had a few extra days off work and wanted to get in some warmer ride days, so we loaded up and went down to Ocala, Florida for a few days to ride Santos. Uh, also had a couple of days of work, so that kept our trip from being a little longer than we would have liked, which would have been nice, but you know, you gotta work. Gotta work. Yes, yeah, so for uh, this week's news blurb, the Forest Service recently did some grading on uh, Maxwell and Thrift. So if you're gonna go for a ride up in that zone, the road is gonna be a bit soft in some areas. Actually, probably a lot of it. Uh, some users haven't been real psyched on it. Yeah, I can imagine so, but Maxwell had some messy spots that needed some work. That one turn over the creek had that sinkhole reforming again. Ooh, yeah. And uh, as for thrift, the Forest Service needed a little more manageable way to access. Uh, there's a field off to your left as you begin to descend down into Lower Black. And so they want to have a little easier access to that field. Got it. Yeah, with the freeze-thaw cycles that we've been going through the past couple of weeks, I'm sure late mornings on those forest roads are going to be messy for a little bit. Yeah, it sounds like some Dawn Patrol zones for now. So for this week's discussion, as mountain bikers, there are certain things that are going to be decided upon because of our bikes. Maybe not at first, but after a few rides and a few trips, it's going to be a factor. And that is, what is the best vehicle as a daily driver, especially here in Western North Carolina? In some ways, I think this may be more important than your living location. Yeah, I can agree with that. Even if you live by a trail system, you're still going to be driving your bike around at some point. You're going to go ride those spots that are a little too far to pedal to or the occasional shop visit even. All right, Drew. So kick this off. You've got a prominent North Carolina mountain whip. Sell me on it. Okay, so I drive a 2016 Toyota Tacoma TRD off-road. There's no shortage of these pickups in Western North Carolina, and for a good reason. It's smaller than a full-size truck, so it's nice on some of the narrower forest service roads. It's an excellent four-season all-weather vehicle, and like anything else that Toyota makes, it's absurdly reliable no matter how bad you treat it. I've always been a pickup guy. My dad's always been a pickup guy. His dad was a pickup guy. Yeah, so it runs in the family. You know, I don't disagree with your statements. The Tacoma is a solid Western North Carolina vehicle, but for me, it's a Honda Element. Wait, so you have a built-out van and you're still going to say a Honda Element? You no, know, I was expecting you to throw some shade at me for saying the Element, but I've got reasons. 
and I had an element up until this past summer. Honda doesn't even make the element anymore since like when, 2014? So the newest one you can get is already six years old? No, actually it was 2011, so nine years old. But it's a Honda. True, it's a Honda. Okay, so sell me on this uh, nine years or older Western North Carolina vehicle choice of yours. All right, for one, as you drive around, start paying attention. On a day of errands, you're going to spot at least six elements, and that's a low number. Just driving around Brevard, I've counted more than a dozen in a day. Pull up to the number of bike industry parking lots in our area, and there's a handful in the parking lot. Also, the company that outfits elements with their custom wooden inserts for camping, Fifth Element, they're located here in Western North Carolina. So this is element country. It has a tailgate that's great height for chilling. The interior is rough and rugged. But despite rumors that have been floating around for years, you cannot spray them out with a water hose. So don't do that. It doesn't have drain holes. The rear seats can be removed or just flip them up. And, uh, and you're left with a large, flat interior surface area. Perfect for bike and gear storage. And as tall as I am, it was a great spot to change in pre and post ride at the trailhead. Also, they do come in four-wheel drive. Although it's not going to hold a candle to your Tacoma, but it will get you in and out of most of the spots you'd want to go ride at. Now, if you want to go more into the overlanding mode, you can definitely do that. You know, there's lift kits and all kinds of other stuff for sale aftermarket wise. And if you want to go real fancy and bougie, you can take your element out to the West Coast and have Ursa Minor vehicles put an e-camper on the roof and you have a pop-up camper. That's not cheap. Uh, they range from like seven to $15,000. So it's quite the upgrade, especially on a nine-year or older vehicle. But the best part with the Element for me was how small it was. It's got a short wheelbase. It's not much longer than a Honda Accord. And it's got a great turning radius. So that helps with navigating some of these forest roads and tight trailheads. But in the end, it essentially came down to driveway space. We live on the side of a mountain with a narrow driveway. And if I had a parking lot, I'd still have it, but I've passed the element along to Chad over at Industry 9, and now he's loving it. Uh, good. Well, yeah, it's true. There are uh, There's three elements in the parking lot where I work, for that matter. Interesting that you mentioned Fifth Element Campers. Nick, uh, who runs that company, does excellent work, but he's also no stranger to doing trail work in the region. But it still kind of boggles me that Honda end-of-life the element, and that's probably one of the things that kind of helped turn it into a cult classic that it's become. Yeah, I think it was just too far ahead of its time. If it would have come out a little later and, of course, stuck around a little longer, it would have been an even huger success for Honda. But it's not the most fuel-efficient vehicle, and you know a lot of customers weren't a fan of the rugged interior. But Honda did release the SC version, which was aimed at a little more towards that softer touch. You know, I, I also kind of thought you were going to say Subaru, because I know you had one of those, too. Dude, Tacoma, Subarus, Elements, those are the vehicles of Western North Carolina, essentially. Still, none of which make that good of a road trip vehicle as something, say, like a, a rented Penske box truck. You know, you are not wrong there. You know, the, the Penske box truck is the pinnacle of rental road trip vehicles. Nothing will ever touch it. Amen. So, Mangler, Old Fort has been quite the newsmaker. What else have they got in store for us down there? Yeah, Old Fort has been on the move. You know, last week's episode, we introduced everyone to Kitspo and the Old Fort Ride House, with some mention of this week's feature guest, or shall I say guests. In case you've not heard, Old Fort is in store for a bunch of new trails. 
Through the newly formed G5 Trail Collective, a very attractive map has been published showing a slew of new trails all over the landscape of the eastern slopes of the Black Mountain Range. So I caught up with three of the members of the G5 Trail Collective to find out a little bit more about what they had going on down there. You guys could just like one by one give me an introduction of who you are and what role you play with the G5 Trail Collective. Yeah, so I'm Lisa Jennings. I'm the Recreation and Trails Program Manager for the Grandfather Ranger District of Pisgah National Forest, uh, which is a mouthful, but basically I'm um, over the recreation program on the area of Pisgah that's east of Asheville, so including the Old Fort area. And I am, I'm the agency partner to the G5 and work very closely with the non-government folks to be that entity that can work on those public lands and, and make sure this happens. My name is Jason McDougald. I'm the executive director at Camp Greer, and the G5 is an initiative of Camp Greer um, to bring more volunteer resources and also more financial resources to recreational trails in the Grandfather District. Well, my name is LaVita Logan, and I am the project coordinator for People on the Move for O'Fort and one of the major funders for the G5 Collective. LaVita, I read that you brought some grants from a couple of foundations to the table. How did those foundations see the value putting their funds towards usage in the outdoors? Well, actually, it was the grant was for uh, People on the Move, but People on the Move is more or less it had decided to fund Camp Griff for their environmental study because we feel like it's important to get these trails built. It brings more revenue into O'Fort for the Black entrepreneurs to have their shop so they can pretty much get the piece of the pie. I always say that with all the revenue that's coming in, you know, O'Fort. The people of color in Old Fort, are they historically active in the outdoor community? No, no. And that's what we're trying to accomplish, uh, people on the move we're trying to get the youth more involved on the outdoors we're trying to get more people of color on the trails not even not not just people that's here you know people you know that's in surrounding areas you know try to get them to come in and 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 enjoy these trails i'd like to kind of piggyback on on what levita said i think the the story is is that um i think there's a disconnect between um the health funders what their priorities are and and what we see can potentially impact the health of communities on the ground. I guess it was about a year and a half ago when Lisa and I kind of started shopping this idea of a trail expansion around, you know, we were just trying to build mountain bike trail, essentially, you know, like we, we just looked at the map and there's, you know, a huge green area between Old Ford and Boone and there just wasn't much infrastructure. And so our original focus was just building trails for traditional recreational users. And early on, we went to um, one of the community forums where we met LaVita and we started having conversations with the Kate B. Reynolds Trust, which is the, the trust that's funding people on the move. It was a difficult sell to get them to invest money in trails, but they wanted to invest money in communities of color and to build those communities up to take advantage of the recreational infrastructure that could be brought and the increase in tourism dollars and local spending that would come along with that. And so 
you know, to Levita's credit um, and to people on the move's credit, they had the vision and the trust to pass some of those funds along to the G5. And so I think the answer to your question is we didn't convince them. We, we convinced Levita. <laughs> um, and so I'm glad I, you summed that up. <laughs> I, think, I think we have a lot of work to do in the funding part of, of trail development. I think people don't see trails as health and environmental stewardship. And I think that's the big disconnect that the G5 Collective wants to tackle. It's like, you know, we need to help people in positions of influence at these foundations to understand that when you're investing in outdoor recreation infrastructure, um, you're investing in people and you're investing in their economy. And that in turn improves their health, right? Because people that make more money have better health. And so, yeah, so that's that's really one of our main drivers is to, to bring more funding entities in line for these type of projects. Currently, where are majority of the trail users that come to Old Fort, where are they coming from? Most of the folks coming into Old Fort are coming from outside the area. Catawba Falls is far and away the most popular trail in Old Fort. And we know just from our you know data of, of parking lot tags, a lot of folks come from out of state to Catawba Falls. It's usually when you drive through that parking lot, half the folks are from out of state. Um, and then, you know, in the old Fort Trail system in general, we're getting kind of people from two directions. One is from Asheville. We get folks who are in that, you know, mountain bike community in Asheville looking for those difficult trail experiences that they get in some of the backcountry areas in old Fort. And then we're also pulling some folks from Raleigh and Charlotte. When you're driving west looking for national forest opportunities, the grandfather district is the first place you get to. I've seen the phrase equitable trails tossed around. Who would be best to talk about that? There's kind of two phrases we've been throwing around. One is trails for all and the other is equitable trails. And, um, you know, Levita has taught us a bunch and, and our other partners in Old Ford about what this means. And so how I sum this up is equitable trails are trails that represent our diversity of users out there. So not only the extreme mountain bikers, but the folks who are new to hiking and new to the woods and even uh, equestrians, we're including everybody in the equity of uses, but also in the equity around the communities we represent. So making sure that our communities of color, which are a huge part of Old Fort, have an equal seat at the table and are key stakeholders in this project. Um, Jason, over the years, Camp Greer has definitely been stepping up a lot. You know starting with some trail days, you know, five or six years ago, and even longer. And then you guys built some trails that you've opened up to public usage and also hosting some events there at Camp Greer. How has been the progression of that brought us to where we are today? Yeah, I mean, I've been, I guess, I guess that progression is kind of tied to my background in, in some ways. I mean, I'm, my dad owned an outdoor store when I was a kid in Greensboro. So I grew up backpacking and climbing and paddling. And, you know, I think I, my first mountain bike I bought in, in 93 when I went to, when I graduated high school. So, you know, I've always been involved in that world. And I came to camp in 2013. At that point, Camp Greer was still owned by the Presbyterian Church. 
in 2014, we convinced the church to deed the property over to an independent nonprofit. And that process, you know, them giving us essentially 700 acres surrounded by national forest really freed us up to innovate and experiment in a lot of ways. And so with my outdoor background, it was kind of a natural fit to begin looking around at ways to, to broaden our impact and our, our market base essentially for camp. So, you know, one of the early conversations um, with Eric Weber, who ran Pisgah Productions, that started allowing the Enduro to be hosted at camp. Through that process, I started learning about some of the Forest Service rules and what, what you can and can't do and and um, how, how things get done. And so that was real enlightening. And then in 20, I guess it was 2017, we also brought Tanawa Adventures under our umbrella, Brandon Thrower. So we began being the the fiscal and legal entity for Tanawa and all of his races. And that just, you know, kind of pulled us into the fold more of working with the U.S. for Forest Service and permitting and, and event insurance and that kind of thing. And so, you know, Old Fort's always been kind of a, a DMZ zone in, in, a, in a lot of ways. You know, it's, it's, it's right in that area where it's not, um, there's not a lot of volunteer support for it. So you've got Pisgah Sorba up the mountain um, to the west, and then you've got the Alliance up the mountain to the east. And so we just said, well, let's go ahead and start doing some trail work weekends, you know, outside of our normal rental season and try to bring some volunteer support uh, into this area. And the response that we got was was really huge. I mean, it was really surprising. I mean, I think we did, you know, I think we've done five or six weekends now pre-COVID. And, you know, we'd have 50 people a day, you know, come out for those work weekends. And maybe people were driving from Raleigh and Charlotte to spend the weekend with us and, and work on trails. And so, you know, it was like, wow, we can quickly became obvious that we could care for the trails that surrounded us. And I think through that stewardship, you know, the idea of actually building more infrastructure became a reality. And so that's a long answer to a, a short question, but that's, that's how we got here. Great answer. It gives us a lot of good backstory on kind of how, you know, Camp Greer set the stage for some of this moving forward. Levita, are you spending much time outdoors? Well, not as of right now. As a child, as a kid, you know, running around here in, in my neighborhood, we, we do have, we're, we're surrounded with the forest and we used to play out in the woods all the time, every day, we, you know, there's something we, if, if we're not doing that, we're swimming up at Curtis Creek and. Yeah. It, it looks like just like barely the North side of old fort just borders right there with the forest. So I'm a kid growing up, you know, you were just right there into the woods and it was an open ended adventure, whichever direction you wanted to go. Exactly. As a trail user, I've scoured maps of the area of, you know, Western grandfather district, Eastern grandfather district as well. And I found my way, you know, down some offshoots and stuff like that. And it's very exciting to see this project start taking shape. You know, when you guys announced it, I was very surprised. Lisa, how was the Forest Service's response when they came to you and said, hey, we want to build a bunch of new trails in the Old Fort area? Because that's not something that happens usually. Well, I'll say, you know, it didn't start with that right so it started with building up this volunteer support and this is something that we've done across the grandfather district so i've been in my position for seven years now and we've done this in linville gorge where we signed a decision approving some new trails and we've done this in wilson creek with the mountain bike alliance approving some trails 
And we, we have a really good structure that works well. That's all about collaboration and community involvement. And, and Old Fort just takes that and like, you know, throws gasoline on it. And, and what that looks like is first looking at a trail complex um, and building off a study that the Forest Service did in 2014 called the Pisgah Trail Strategy. So like there's a trail complex in Linville Gorge, there's one in Mortimer area, and then Old Fort is a trail complex. And we say, how are the trails there serving folks? Are they being maintained? Is there a group that cares about them? And then, then thinking about new trails. So before we even started talking in any real terms about new trails, we wanted to make sure that all the existing trails that were in good places were maintained. And so that's why those volunteer work days Jason was talking about were so important. Work by the Run 828 Club around the Old Fort area was so important. Then when we got to the point where we're at those work days going, where should we go now? Because we just maintained this trail. That's when it was like, okay, now let's start dreaming big about what could be. Because we recognized early on that Old Fort was an area that's relatively untrailed, super connected to the community in a way that not many places in national forests are, where like Levitia was talking about, the forest is the backyard. And then it also lent itself to a diversity of topography, forest types, you know, it's it's a special area being the first tract of national forest land in the east and the slopes below the highest peak at Mount Mitchell. It's a great area for this type of project, but none of that would have happened without the community coming to the table, maintaining trails, and then also fundraising. We are, you know, woefully understaffed across the Forest Service nationally. And especially in our recreation programs, we're small, but our communities and our communities of volunteers and our partners are big. And we can do really big things when everybody comes to the table. You guys have published a very impressive map. Where did those trail ideas come from? Well, it it started with our typical trail users, right? This was mm-hmm. before we connected with Levita's group and our, our um, communities in Old Fort. It was the mountain bikers, the equestrian groups, those kind of well-organized trail user groups just sitting in a room thinking about what was the potential. And so we had some lines on a map and a lot of it was that typical Pisgah experience backcountry trails. And then when we started working with the community forums and started really listening to everybody in the community, this project totally changed. And we decided, which was kind of unprecedented, to go out to the public in a very early stage of this project and just say, Here's some general ideas. What do people think? What do you want to see? And we did about a month of public participation. We heard 300 comments from the community about trails close to home, beginner trails, intermediate loops, backcountry experiences, and all of those ended up on this new map. So it every piece of trail on that map was something that the community fed into. Lavita, what were your initial thoughts when you saw this trail map i thought it was i thought it was awesome pretty much with them when they was you know going designing the trails at that day uh, but yeah i thought in my mind i was like that this is awesome i liked it the trails are kind of divided up into different zones how how are those zones differing is that going to be 
construction phases or these phases that are targeted towards like the beginner, intermediate, and backcountry type of things? Really, those zones are are about experience types. Okay, um, is how it worked out, and a little bit just about the ease of talking about a huge trail project, mm-hmm. right? So you start with a zone. I think it's zone C by the Blue Ridge Parkway. Those are the backcountry trails. Zone E by the parking lot. Those are the beginner trails, the intro to the Forest Service trails. And then that doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be constructed in those zones, but it could. And I guess, Jason, do you want to talk about how how that would move towards construction? Yeah. So right now, um, just kind of to zoom out, big, big picture, we've got where we think we are with the planning and design process. So we have a pretty good map. Emba's actually... Uh, their team is here this week and next week doing the flagging of those lines. So they've taken our concept map, looked at all the LIDAR data and slope analysis and actually plotted those those trails onto a, a very detailed map. And now they're trying to walk all those lines and, and flag them. Our goal is to begin the environmental assessment work in January, which will probably take you know through the winter and spring. We'll spend the summer and early fall writing those reports for hopefully a decision being signed end of September, 1st of October. So we won't even begin construction until you know next year about this time. And you know I think the the time in terms of the priority on the builds, you know I think we'll have to be determined. I think we're still looking at you know where those funds are going to come from for the actual construction. And then how those funds are going to be allocated, you know, like how much, how many resources are we actually going to have to deploy um, at any one given time? And then also, can we pair enough trail builders in that same time frame to get those, those, that dirt actually moved? So there's still a lot of moving pieces and parts in terms of the actual build sequence. So I'd say we're still trying to figure it out. That might not be the answer that you wanted me to say, Lisa, but that's, that's kind of the truth of it. Right. Yeah. Well, and I will say, you know, from, from the forest service perspective, I mean, it, we're not expecting that this is going to be built all at once. You know, it will be built in phases and, and that's part of it is this project will feed the community and feed excitement in the area of having new trails, you know, for, for at least a few years after we signed that decision. You mentioned trail builders uh, pairing up with stuff. And on some of your first early public discussions, you mentioned uh, McDowell Community College being involved with a trail building program. Um, is that something hoping to get going? Yeah, so I think it was, um, it's really, that piece of the project is really, it's kind of come online a little bit later in, in the process, but it's it's all happening really quickly. But yeah, they have the program on their website now, and uh, we're working with them to develop the curriculum for that program with the hope of, of actually holding some classes uh, in May of 2021. But that, you know, I think that speaks to um, the amount of commitment that the local community has in, in using the resources in the county to support economic development and, and healthful communities. Because um, the the college really sees this as what could be a signature program, um, because we have so much Forest Service land in the county. I think it's Lisa, correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to say it's like 20, 25, 30 percent of the county is 
as U.S. Forest Service land. So they really see it as something that could bring people into the county and connect them with the college long term. And then something that could also contribute the the health of the county and the economic you know outlook for for local residents. So it's a it's a really exciting part of the project. It's one that I'm super excited about because that's just going to increase our capacity to care for the trails um, and then build more trails, you know, because, you know, right now I think, you know, most contractors are working 12 months out on what they can do. So the, the more contractors we have out there, the more resources that are there to build and, and maintain. With the current COVID climate that we're dealing with right now, it seems like there's a huge push for more outdoor recreation programs. And through some of the trail builders I know and hearing talk amongst them is, you know, projects are booked out pretty far in advance right now. And most people are looking at a, a year to two years before they can even start moving dirt. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the nice things about two kind of pairing that push um, in the development of more skilled labor is, is combining that with our partnership with people on the move and, and Levita's group to get people who are non-traditional trail users into that field of work. Right. And so, you know, whether it's by involving youth in the local community in trail maintenance and, and trail work and showing them that that's a, like, that's a legitimate construction path, you know, that, that you can pursue. So yeah, it's it's really exciting to be able to think we can bring more resources online um, in that way. LaVita, have some of your groups that you work with, have they shown excitement for bringing in a, a potential new program like this? Yeah, we're just in the beginning stages right now. Hopefully next summer we'll be able to create a summer program for the kids. But we mm-hmm. did bring them out to the camp a couple of times this year, you know, for swimming and, and hiking and stuff like that. So, but yeah, hopefully we'll be able to create a summer program for the kids, get them more interested in doing more than just, you know, staying home and playing video games all day. What are some other of the key players involved in this whole process? You know, we mentioned McDowell Tech. Who else is kind of making moves on this? There's a lot of factors that are coming together to make this really exciting. And I think we've talked about a lot of those, but the the ones that that we haven't are what's happening in the town of Old Fort itself. Since I've been at camp since 2013, you know, living at camp in the summers, you know, you have to drive to to Black Mountain um, to get groceries or you have to drive to Marion to get food. But now I think the town has really turned a corner. The arrival of, of Hillman Beer and Kitspo, you've got Mill Creek Mug and the Ride House. And so there's just lots of things that are coming in that I think are going to encourage you know, outdoor recreation and also benefit from, from increased outdoor recreation. You know, also the, the Parkers who own Jeff and Amy Parker, who own some of the buildings downtown and that used to be a sock manufacturing place. You know, they've been working for years to bring in new businesses and and new resources into town. And so, you know, to see their efforts begin to start paying off is really, really satisfying. And so I think just the, you know, all those people that are moving into Old Ford are, are just getting behind this project and, and helping push as well. And yeah, it's just a, it's a great, great feeling to to have all those those people behind you. I'll just add, it seems like every aspect of this project, the community has stepped up in amazing ways to support. We had a, a visit from somebody higher up in the Forest Service and just the, our ability to, to answer those questions like, 
you know, okay, so you're going to build these trails. Well, who's going to provide information? Well, the Ride House is a visitor center for the Grandfather Ranger District that Kitspo created because they saw that vision. And, you know, how are we going to um, do interpretation and signage? Well, we have a great partnership with universities to tell the story. How are we going to maintain these trails? Well, we have this great connection with McDowell Tech where we're looking for places to get people out in the woods to do work as part of their programs. And it's just this holistic view of this trail project is what makes it so exciting and is what's going to make it so successful and make sure that those trails are sustained, you know, for generations, which is is critical. We want to build something that'll last out there. And this definitely will. Have there been other communities that you guys have looked to for inspiration or guidance? You know, through this process, we've, you know, Google has been our friend. Uh, and so, you know, we've been looking at other areas, obviously Northwest Arkansas, but also up in the Wayne National Forest, you know, looking at how they've they've done their projects in partnership with the U.S. Forest Service. But, and there's a lot to learn from those places too. But I think, you know, Old Ford in itself is just really unique in, in, in some ways. And really the most, like Lisa said, is just its proximity to the National Forest. So you've got, you know, this linear trail coming in with the fauna flora that you're able to to connect directly into, into the forest. And then you have a major interstate running east-west, you know, that connects 20 million people potentially to that that area, you know, within a half day's drive. So you know, we've definitely been been looking around at other projects and seeing what people are doing and then trying to fit that into the uniqueness of, of what is Old Fort. And the other unique part about Old Fort is, is that health connection, the community health and our connections with people on the move. You see a lot of these projects that are that are, you know, completely about economic development. Um, and although, you know, that that definitely will be a benefit of this project, we also talk about a lot about the social determinants of health and how this project is going to serve the people who live there and who have lived there for years and making sure that like those outreach efforts Levita was talking about, that we're making sure the local folks get out on these trails and that we're not just building them and, and hoping that'll happen. We have a plan to engage our local communities to get them out on the trails through the partnerships between people on the move and then what Camp Greer you know, has to offer and has been doing at camp. It seems like when a lot of people think of Pisgah, they think of maybe either like Asheville or Brevard. And I know there's been kind of a big push to maybe educate or remind people that Old Fort is also Pisgah. We like to uh, call the grandfather district the other Pisgah, right? So, yeah, we get a lot of that of, oh, I've been to Pisgah. I go to Brevard all the time. Like, yeah, you've been to part of the Pisgah. And there's amazing things over here where you can get away from the crowds. It's much more dispersed. So you have all these pocket areas with Old Fort and then Linville Gorge, Wilson Creek, Boone Fork. It's, it has the opportunity to develop for, for the towns and serve those instead of just being one destination. Yeah, there's as much, you know, if you look at just the, the land mass between Old Fort and North Cove, which is kind of at the top of the county, you know, so that would be like Old Fort, Woods Mountain, that whole stretch up 221. It's essentially the same distance as from Turkey Pen to Brevard, right? So if you just look at the the trail density in both of those areas, it's it's glaringly obvious. Oh, yeah. 
that there's a huge opportunity to disperse folks uh, so that we can alleviate some of the the impacts and overcrowding that we're seeing in, in certain areas. And so I think, you know, um, the more we can, more we can do that, the better right now. Um, yeah. And the more trails close to home thing has been huge through this pandemic. So you see folks, you know, that, that push, especially in March of like, stay in your county, where are those trails in your backyard? So having local trails close to people's houses and more of these little pocket trail systems is just going to serve us. Or have you seen a lot of overcrowding and trailheads and stuff from COVID? Yeah, um, Catawba Falls is a great example. I mean, it's the one trail that's easy to get to an old fort. And throughout the year, it has just been packed and overflowing. You'll go there on a Monday morning and the parking lot's half full. And that's wow. something that we hadn't seen until this year. Um, we're saying, seeing the same thing around you know, Linville Gorge as well, mm. just packed trailheads. And, and we hear that all over the National Forest in North Carolina. It's like every weekend this year is like a holiday weekend, just the busiest it's ever been. One of the things we're thinking about within this project is how we plan for the future. And a big part of that is trailhead parking and development. So the Jarrett Creek parking area, I mean, conceivably, you could park up to a thousand cars there once that site is fully developed. So really making sure that we're we're looking at some of these areas where maybe we hadn't planned well enough and thinking about what it could be 20 or 50 years down the road so that we're not having negative impacts to our communities of overcrowding. We're building out those trailheads to accommodate the use that we might see in the future. Yeah, I think like the, the Turkey Pen trailhead is a good example of that where you have this long, narrow forest road in with hardly any pull-offs, and then you get into there, and the parking lot is cut in half with horse trailer parking and then automobiles. I mean, you could probably, like, it's probably 20, 25 spaces in there to park cars. And, you know, this past summer, I won't even attempt to, I don't even drive in there now. I usually park down the highway. But when I get up in there, it's just like ridiculously packed. Yeah. And we're lucky we have some spots, especially around Jarrett Creek Road, that that makes sense to develop parking. We don't have a lot of flat spots on the Pisgah in general. Um, and we found some really good ones around Old Fort. How has the community of Old Fort reacted to, to this new push for new trails? Well, I think they're pretty excited about it. I'm, tr I'm still trying to convince the people of color, the black people here, about, you know, being on the outdoors. You know, there's a lot of stigma around black people in the woods, you know, given the history of the black people in America. So, yeah, it's, I think that, that we're trying to get them on board and, and I'm trying to see if I can, you know, pretty much get them more excited about it, you know, especially for the health benefits of it as well. Uh, you know, you know, being outside, you know, it's, there's a lot of, uh, health benefits you know for that outdoor wise it seems like fishing is sometimes mm -hmm. a good intro for people to kind of get you know welcome to the woods and Jarrett creek that zone you can even go like deep in the Jarrett creek for some good fly fishing opportunities but just like where Jarrett creek road uh, splits off from curtis creek those zones and it seems like that's where a lot of the map has some of the more introductory trails built in that zone yeah, we've done a lot of listening through this project. And so a lot of the things that we're proposing on that map are are, are new to me as well as a National Forest Manager. We're, 
we're looking at putting in a one mile nature loop around some of those trailheads at Jarrett Creek and the, you know, looking at access to fishing, access to swimming areas, and making sure that we're really responding to the needs of, of folks who who we might not even hear their voices because the voices we're always going to hear are the people who are, you know, outdoors all the time. But the voices that we're trying to hear as well is those who might get outdoors because we build something. And I think the archaeology piece is, and the storytelling piece is really important. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of history with Old Fort, especially with, you know, Indian tribes and the settlement and stuff. So uh, we have partnered with two universities. One is is Chapel Hill, and then another one is Texas Tech. One of my longtime friends is a um, an archaeology professor at Texas Tech, and he's been visiting Old Fort, you know, ever since I've been down there. And we've always dreamed about partnering on a project. And so through conversations with him about how we might use these trails to retell some stories of the past and also bring to light some stories from other communities that aren't as prominent in, in our historical record, so to speak, to light through this project has been exciting. And so he connected us to, his name is Chris Whitmore, Dr. Whitmore, and then he connected us to Dr. Jen Gates foster at UNC Chapel Hill. And so they've been on site probably three or four times now just to visit and kind of get the lay of the land. And they're trying to understand the archaeological record and dig into some of the historical record as well to see how they might bring some interpretive elements to the project. And their idea is to build on these new trails specifically to build what they're calling pause points. So like mountain bikers are a great example. You know, a lot of times we're just flying through, you know, <laughs> flying through space, you know, and, and just moving through the landscape, which is, which is beneficial in and of itself, but they want to get us, you know, to really stop and, and reflect. And so the idea is to build these, these pause points that could ultimately become destinations in and of themselves to tell stories. So like, for example, you know, in places where you might have some remnants of, of old growth, you know, there could be a, a monument kind of structure that would communicate how the forest was logged, how, you know, the effects of that logging, you know, in terms of clear cut cutting and sediment runoff and that kind of thing, or, you know, with, you know, the railroad, you know, you can build in pause points along the trail where it's convenient, you know, to look at the railroad and see, you know, how was convict labor used, you know, to build this and what were the impacts of that. And, you know, just trying to retell some of those stories. And then also, like I said, bring some of those stories that might've been lost or forgotten back into the, the conversation. I think that's a great point to touch on because there's lots of times we're out in a forest and you're at the top of a climb or you're about to embark on a technical section or something and, and you have these kind of natural pause points where you stop and you're, you're waiting for the rest of your group to together and you're just reflecting on the forest that's around you. And it would be interesting to have some design spots like that, maybe with some signage to kind of tell you a little bit about like what this area was like pre-logging or why it wasn't logged or talk about this old growth or something. That's some good potential right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's just another piece that I think just adds additional layers of excitement and um, texture, you know, to, to what we're doing and to what makes this this unique. Because it's like Lisa was saying, and and you know we've touched on before. It's you know you hear about it just in terms of economic development, and and that's certainly true. But there's there's so much more depth there that I think you know I think we we gloss over a lot of times and. Outdoor recreation is awesome, but at the at the heart of it, it's it's about 
exploring and being connected to the landscape and connecting with others in that space. And so I'm hopeful that this, the landscape component of the project can really make that a richer experience. Where can people follow along with what G5 is doing? We're on the Instagram, we're on the Facebook. Um, you can find us there and uh, we kind of share the the burden of and the, and the, the, the benefits of, of managing those social media platforms. But um, yeah, those, those two places are the, the best place to follow us. I saw on Instagram this past week that the Emba crew was out there and they just finished flagging like 25 miles of trail in two weeks. Yeah, man, they are making moves on this project. And I guess the Emba crew is supposed to come back either in like late January or February. I forget the exact details, but it's really awesome to see. Well, between Kitspo bringing jobs, the ride house being the hang spot, people on the move in Old Fort, McDowell Tech getting people up on technical knowledge. Old Fort's going to be hitting a new boom in a few years. Man, I think it's already hitting the boom now. It's awesome to see how the people are coming together to help make this happen. That's what happens when you have dedication. And speaking of dedication, this wraps up episode five of the Pisgah podcast. After the last couple of episodes launched and seeing how things have played out, we're, we're making some minor changes, which you've heard in this episode. We're looking to condense these episodes a little bit more, keep things moving a little quicker, and maybe drop some other goodies on you here soon. And as always, you can follow us on the social medias. Just search Pisca Podcast. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and followers. And if your daily driver costs less than your mountain bike, then go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Oh, yeah, that's going to be like everyone in town now. So I expect to see these numbers go up. You know, it would be awesome if you could also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. This helps the internet robots tell others about us as well. Got to keep the internet robots happy and healthy. Oh, yeah. Man, I'm excited about some of these new routes out old for. Yes, mentally, I'm beyond stoked. My legs, however, they're probably going to get some punishment. Oh, yeah. That's uh, my eyes picking up. My legs aren't ready for you. Let's see how it goes.